like for breakfast? But like, it's pretty interesting, mate. I'm just like researching those of like potential speakers and like what their views are. Um, cool. So yeah, I've just been researching this guy who like who wants this view called like anarcho-capitalism, which I keep th- thinking you would be very interested in. I'm familiar. Um, yeah. You're familiar. Do you know yeah. David Friedman? Uh don't think so. I know a no I know Milton Friedman. <laughs> yeah, so it's Milton Friedman's son. Oh no way. Um but he's like a anarcho anarcho capitalist. Interesting. Yeah. So just believes so believes everything should be privatized and everything should be uh left to capitalism and should be no government and no even the law should be made by like capitalism yeah i think that's really dumb like the the idea that the free market is like some kind of magical entity that can sort everything out like seems nuts yeah kind of but then maybe um maybe maybe like government and external forces just get in the way and then like fuck things up well, I, yeah, I think the problem is that they don't go very well together because it means that you... What, so you rec- want all government, no capitalism? I, well, I want less, gov- le- less capitalism, more responsible government. But if, you have all, if all your people in government are caught up in capitalism, then it's not like... <laughs> it's very different if everyone's trying to make money. And also, like... The idea that the best things, like that the free market produces like the best things, you then have to you have to concede that like the most bought albums are the best and like the McDonald's is the best food in the world because most people eat it. Mm. And like that's just not how things work. It's not like that it doesn't work because of like people aren't rational agents that if we were all like sensible and we did the right thing for the right reasons, then the free market would make sense. But that's just not what human beings are at all. I think he does deal with that. Yeah. I don't know what he says. Sweet. Well, we'll have him on the pod and I'll do <laughs> look at anarcho communism instead. <laughs> uh, yeah. Could be better. Okay, hmm. this preamble can go in the podcast anyway. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I probably can't do very long today as well because I'm just like, yeah, that's cool. That's all right. So, hello, hello, listeners. Again, even though I've already started doing stuff, now I've just got a completely artificial break beginning in there for no reason. Shouldn't have done it. Yes, we are now officially acknowledging <laughs> yeah. our podcast exists <laughs> and it's not just a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even though the conversation can just go in the podcast. Yeah. But now I want to talk about other things that also shouldn't go in the podcast. How was what? It's funny that your dad had a go at you, slash, whatever. Yeah, yeah, I think he just got concerned um, yeah. <laughs> with all our talk and just wanted to make sure i wasn't like just eating acid for breakfast every day <laughs> yeah yeah you know? 
I had some isn't... very intense chats with my parents when I told them. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think it's just because like they don't. There's a generation that got all the scare ta- tactics post elite post like criminalizing everything. Yeah, and haven't either looked for or been given any of the like new information and any of the like scientific studies um so you just think people a lot of people just think of like charlie manson and the family whenever you talk about like psychedelics and you just go you imagine hundreds of hippies at a grateful dead concert just like boggled out of their minds whereas if you like i was telling you i think Michael Pollan might be my friend in getting <laughs> yeah your getting dad, dad on board because he dad had books by him then yeah yeah he's definitely like read other stuff by him so you just need like a more kind of down to earth I like it because it's like fun and weird and anti establishment but there's <laughs> yeah. also like a very sensible yeah. reason and like FDA approved experiments and like clinical trials and all this kind of stuff yeah. so. i sent my parents all that stuff when i did yeah okay now we'll yeah. begin the podcast okay i probably have to work soon okay what what are we having for breakfast today jake a big bowl of materialism and the hard problem of consciousness and what does that involve well, materialism is just the a view that means everything that happens happens because of a chain of physical events caused it to happen. So it's kind of sees the world and everything is it in it as a big machine that's all connected and things are bouncing into each other and causing everything that happens yeah Um, and everything is uh reducible to physical stuff yeah everything you ever felt like love the love you feel for your family is reducible to physical matter and this is i would say this view is the predominant view in our culture and the majority of people believe that this view is true. Yeah, but I, but I don't think many people have really thought about it because I was doing a bit of like looking on the internet about it and even like hardcore scientists are going to have a pretty difficult time um, talking about matter as like solid stuff that interacts with other other solid stuff um, without trying to talk about quantum mechanics. Like it, the when you get to the most fundamental level of the universe, it's there isn't really any bits of solid matter that you can point to. It's all kind of... And it relies on the observer as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that's I don't what... know how many people 
would all the definitions that I saw basically I was trying to imagine how anyone would really defend it and I I don't know yeah well the problem is it's pretty indefensible but like part of the perniciousness of it is the fact that nobody has nobody does think about it but everybody kind of uh takes it to be true uh just on principle and yeah and yeah they haven't thought about it but they're kind of um predescribed belief that they have about it without thinking about it is that is materialism yeah yeah it's like a surface level view of reality um which is accepted by our culture Mm, yeah similar to so this is your pet peeve materialism but Mm. my pet peeve is also materialism but in a different way that we just accept that we all need loads of stuff and the more you buy the happier you get so that might be another materialism podcast for a later date yes i thought that was important to make a distinction okay yeah good distinction we're talking about materialism in terms of metaphysical materialism metaphysical physicalism jake is drinking water with lemon in it as all good hippies do Uh it's essential (laughs) yeah so tell tell me your main beef my main beef is materialism and that mechanical view of the universe well yeah it's just it sucks all the life and love out of everything jake mm. like it it makes everything into this meaningless uh bouncing around of particles and it makes love and the feeling of love and joy and all experiences reducible to just like the cold boring uh chemicals in your brain and yeah, it removes the room for the great mystery of life and God. And it, what else does it do? Yeah, I think it's quite just a generally quite depressing uh, view of reality. And it's wrong. And people never understand why it's wrong when I've spoken to them about it. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons why it's easy to find it so depressing is because it it leads to a pretty bleak view of or or a kind of bleak deterministic view like if if everything is just if everything that happens has happened because something else happened first and it's just a big chain reaction there's no room for real like free will or yeah excitement creativity it's all preordained yeah yeah and yeah like on the instagram poll i did it leads people to believe that when you die it's just nothingness afterwards instead of great heaven or reincarnation as is actually the case yeah but i i think that you can have heaven or reincarnation within an eternal nothingness you're we're in, you're, a, we're in eternal nothingness now jake yeah everything's eternal nothingness yeah sure so they can be compatible to be fair 
but the way yeah. people see internal nothingness is this kind of materialist or oh, my consciousness is due to the chemicals in my brain and therefore when i die when those chemicals stop doing their thing then my consciousness also dies but again if you disprove that view that chemicals that consciousness is just reducible to chemicals in the brain then that also removes that view that death is the end yeah yeah and again like it it doesn't take much thinking about to come to a position where it's quite obvious that there the the brain is more than the sum of its parts if you like you, you can't get anything like conscious experience or awareness from an fmri machine like it just doesn't work i was looking at lots of experiments that argue against free will and it's like deterministic materialist view and it's all basically saying that you don't have any free will because if we stick you in a fmri machine and ask you to press a button whenever you like i can predict when you'll press that button up like a second before you actually report making that conscious decision and so that is the kind of headline you see splashed all over wherever if you look if you look into free will people say look they go why is that predict. why is that wrong though jake then well because the this the brain state is just a state relating to you knowing you're going to have to make a decision. It's some energy. It's like a prime priming energy. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote down that someone called, right. So the, the original experiment was in the sixties by these German dudes and the, there's a German word for it, but it, it translates into readiness potential. Yeah. So there's yeah. a state of readiness potential and everyone thinks that that is some kind of deterministic proof that you don't control your decisions. Um, but you can't predict what decision they're going to make. You can predict that they'll, they're going to do something a certain amount of time after this state of readiness appears, but you can't predict what they're going to do. And also that you can predict that they are going to press a button or something, but it doesn't work anything more yeah, life complex. Is a lot more, yeah, life is a lot more complex than pressing one button. Or yeah, another. yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of examples of people just kind of recreating this experiment as the technology has got better and we can point to more precise bits of the brain that are lighting up in this readiness potential state. But again, it's you're answering a pretty small question. Mm. Correlation is not causation. Yes. Another yeah, thing yes. that I totally get get really annoyed with. Yeah. When someone does a study and it's like, yo, look, um like minorities are dying more than white people in COVID. So the medical system is like racist 
And like, well, maybe that's a bit of it, but there's probably like a slew of other issues like poverty, overrepresented, overrepresented, worse diets. Like there's, lo- there's so many things that correlate and the, you always get a headline of like, this causes that. Studies show that this means that. And it's so reductive. We're kind of obsessed with boiling everything down to this is the reason that that happens in like every subject. And it doesn't head in. We should be able to say that lots of things can be happening at the same time. I don't know why we need a A equals B. It can be like, I don't know, (laughs) it bugs me. Yeah. And so this is relevant because people always say, oh, well, haven't you seen like neuroscience studies show the brain lighting up when someone's doing having this conscious experience? Like just because some part of the brain lights up when someone's having a certain conscious experience, that doesn't mean that all that conscious experience is is that brain lighting up like just a correlation doesn't mean there's like a one-to-one identity relationship between the brain and consciousness and so yeah so the hard problem of consciousness is the idea by david chalmers that um so there's lots of like easy problems of consciousness which are kind of like oh how, how do we see um of what part of the brain lights up when we feel happy what type of part of the brain lights when we feel sad those are the easy problems then the hard problem is why does it feel like anything uh to be happy why why is there something it is like to be you so i like an example of like a camera can see a camera can perceive in the same way that uh we can perceive but you wouldn't say the camera is having a conscious ex- experience of kind of seeing through its lens. Yeah. Whereas we have an experience that is something, something it's like to be seeing. So like, and no, nothing has explained why that is possible yet. And nothing about kind of the physical data and physical makeup of you as a person and of your brain can or does explain that. And I was listening to this, Thing earlier um so yeah this guy bernardo castrup who's an interesting guy in this area he talks about how what we've done is we've you, you always start with consciousness as the fundamental thing because we're all conscious agents interacting with each other and then so that consciousness is always fundamental because everything you experience is by consciousness and then we do kind of like science and things we use measurements we look at kind of physical data but all of that is still taking place within the consciousness of a person as everything is because if you weren't conscious and you wouldn't be able to kind of see your measurement tools you won't be able to see anything um and then what we do is we kind of abstract away from consciousness in terms of kind of mathematics uh, and science and then we try to use those abstractions which are of a different kind of uh, ontological category than the consciousness itself and then we try to use those abstractions to try and like put them together to then go back to consciousness which was our starting yeah. point so we start in consciousness yeah. go into like mathematics and science and then try to figure out how mathematics and science can go back to consciousness but it can't because consciousness is where we started 
yeah yeah there's the this attempt to reduce things to a simple like mechanical understanding um just totally ignores that there might be some limits to how we can understand and perceive the world and if that's true which, which seems fairly likely then you can't really explain anything outside of your conscious experience because you just don't have the tools to express it it's like a fish in water which doesn't know what water is because it's constantly in water and it doesn't know yeah about the yeah i was looking I was reading this essay by Chomsky called Science Mind and Limits of Understanding. And he says, um, we accept that uh, a rat can't solve uh, like certain types of mazes, like a prime number maze, where you can only get to the cheese if you follow the line of prime numbers, because the rat just has no concept of what a prime number is. It can practice that maze a thousand times it's just never going to get it right and so there might be some spheres of knowledge that our brain just is incapable of understanding yeah like as we said last week last breakfast like yeah there's certain things that like the human animal is like incapable of knowing and there's and pretty much we we don't know anything in terms of what reality is really like because we always see reality through the kind of prism of our own subjectivity which kind of changes what it is that we're seeing so we never see reality as it is we always see reality through our kind of uh, cognitive biases yeah yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know if this is well. It is it is connected, but you, um, this idea that the the brain or consciousness is more than the brain. That's the um, the sum of the whole. What is it? The the whole is more than the sum of its parts. Mm. Um, I was going over the Mary in a black and white room thought experiment, which is, I think, quite a good way to explain the idea that you, you can't, we won't be able to necessarily understand consciousness through understanding the brain, even though there's what obviously- Mary in a black and white room? So, yeah, so Mary is this made up scientist who, has been trapped in a black and white room and the TV's black and white and her computer's black and white, but she's super genius and she knows everything there is to know about color, all the wavelengths of red and blue. And she knows the sky's blue and blood is red. And there's just nothing that she doesn't know about colors, but she's never seen any colors. And so, it seems pretty obvious that as soon as poor old Mary gets herself a colour TV, she's going to learn something very new about colour. She's learned the experience of colour. So the experience of consciousness is different to knowing 
which parts of the brain light up when you're conscious or which chemicals produce which feelings there's a next experiential step to understanding um yeah i don't know it seems like a good connection to me maybe it's a bit um, yeah. a weird segue but... no i think that is very relevant and makes perfect sense i keep thinking but like so as we said at the start and i need to go quite soon but as we said at the start um but like people believe this and i've had like many conversations about this and i always get annoyed during them and i feel like the other person <laughs> always gets annoyed during them as well. um then people are always like oh yeah that's just accepted facts to the uh it's all going on in your brain uh blah, blah blah and i remember like teachers saying things like oh everything's just chemicals or like we're all mm. like everything's made of atoms everything's just atoms and like yeah in school when you're like hearing that stuff obviously like you're in school you don't really care but then like the whole educational system of our culture and because like philosophy isn't taught in schools like yeah it's all leads to people as we said at the start kind of accepting this worldview um without thinking about it, without even kind of second guessing it but i think it is very important that we do second guess it and do uh, work to disprove it and have a different worldview in our culture yeah yeah that's why i think those little thought experiments that you can kind of gives you a, a easier way to understand it um and it kind of makes sense rather than having to pour through all the data of these experiments that kind of this lights up when you're happy so this is where happiness is made like it's you have to have our life is is qualitative quality qualitative not quantitative qualitative 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 thank you not quantitative. <laughs> <laughs> so like, like yeah just the idea that you if you compile enough data and enough numbers that you can get anything like uh the human experience the, yeah the human experience it's it's just more complicated than that and yeah and we're not saying like there's no connection between the brain and consciousness we're just saying that it's not like a one-to-one -one connection like yeah 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 if you eat good food and have like serotonin in your brain or whatever or if you take drugs then it does have an impact on your consciousness but that doesn't mean that your brain makes up the totality of what your consciousness is like it, that doesn't follow from that. yeah yeah i think the kind of divergence is that a lot of people think it's just a matter of time until we understand everything we just need more experiments more data more um accurate and specific tools to measure things where as we are saying well actually there might be a section of knowledge that we just can't a understand yeah yeah and i think we should be a bit more comfortable with that idea that we might not be able to figure everything out and there might be things that are just off limits to our monkey brains
Mm. And I, yeah, I think also like too much certainty mate, can lead to depression and like a lack of mystery leads to depression as well. Because if like, as we said before, like depression is kind of, uh, can lead to kind of habitual states of mind and kind of taking one narrative of the world as true. But then once you kind of break out of that and have some more kind of skepticism about what the world is, what your life is, whether kind of, uh, you know, your depression is valid, your boss is evil, uh, your wife doesn't love you. Like you can have all these thoughts that you ascribe as being true, but actually like you don't know what's true all the time and you need more skepticism in your life. And so again, this is why having kind of a worldview, which you think is right and that science can kind of prove everything and that materialism can prove everything. I think like that type of misplaced certainty can have kind of emotional negative effects. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And this also plays into uh, AI as well, just to finish, because people are always scared of like robots coming to life, blah, 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 which is a very interesting idea. But one problem with that, which I always think is interesting, which is a, a consequence of the hard problem of consciousness, is that even if like you build a robot which looks really human and acts as though it is human, you will never know if that robot has consciousness or not. Like, and there's no way to test if it does or not. And like, I, yeah, I don't know if you've got consciousness or not. Or not well, exactly. There's no way of proving that. So, yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves if we're worrying about robots because yeah. yeah, no one can prove. As far as I know, you're all just projections of my own imagination, and That's I'm the only exactly conscious what we one are. around. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> But I think this this is quite has like ethical repercussions on the whole AI thing, because if you built AI which was conscious and then it kind of uh, uh, did the intelligence explosion where it kind of got so smart that humans were just like ants to it and then it just killed all the humans, which is actually yeah. possible. Like I think that would be worth it if the AI was conscious because then you'd still have consciousness in the universe. And the consciousness of the AI might be of a kind which is of superior value than human consciousness. But if the AI isn't conscious, then we've just killed humanity for an unconscious AI. And that is not of any value because value as a concept requires consciousness. But then we'll never know. So, yeah, because the robots might just be really good at simulating consciousness. And then we'll all be dead. Yeah, exactly. Eternal nothingness. Yeah. So, but everyone's fine with that already. We've proven it with the Instagram poll. So there's no worries. They're not <laughs> fine with it. They just think it's true, but it's not true. I think they would rather go to heaven, surely. <laughs> yeah, and but they will. <laughs> well, there you go. It's all right then. <laughs> nice one. A bit. Yeah. Thank you, listeners. A few more years of paradise, then I'll go to find my maker.
Take the dice lightly, may I walk the path brightly. Not afraid of living, not afraid of dying, not afraid of feeling what I do not understand. for breakfast. 